So I got up this morning and came in to uh, do today's episode of uh, Connecting Dots. This will be episode 58. We're going to take a deep dive and we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to use what we would normally do on Sunday, shows, movies, and videos. But we're going to take a deep dive into the most recent edition of Billions. Tomorrow, the last episode of this season for Billions will uh, come on. But there were so many different things that were so deep that I thought we would... Uh, actually cover a little bit of it. So I sat down and I put my headsets on and I have um, a really expensive set of headsets that I use for uh, on a real regular basis. And lately, the static in them been a little rough. I haven't been happy with the way um, the quality has come across. So I've got some people here that are really sharp when it comes to technology and the consensus was, well, there's really nothing wrong with the headsets. It's just the recording and the contemporaneous uh, flow through. And I, I don't know, I wasn't quite sure of it. So today I put the things on, they were a little loose. I noticed that there's a plastic uh, bridge on top. And what you know, the bridge that goes to the top of the head broke. It, it broke, it snapped. Somewhere along the line, it snapped. And I think it's, um, I think the, the sets are defective. I'll have to send them back because it's not cheap. So with that, I'm a little bit bummed out, but I am enjoying a wonderful cup of coffee. Now, before we get started, one of the things I want you to always remember, never forget, we don't do advertising on this. There's no advertising. So we're not interested in that in any way, shape, or form. But I'm going to put into the show notes today something that I use on a real regular basis. So we have a coffee roaster here at the office. And instead of buying beans that are already roasted, we roast our beans. And we get beans from all over the green earth, that's for sure. And that's really cool. I mean, I got to tell you, that's one of the coolest thing about uh, being here and uh, having these folks around me. So one of the things we do is we roast them, we uh, grind them. We just got our uh, big industrial grinder back, had a little bit of a problem. And one of the things I have is this really small little uh, plastic tube thing called an AeroPress, A-E-R-O. P-R-E-S-S. I'll put this in the show notes. And I was over at uh, visiting with clients the other day and told them about this. They don't really drink coffee, but um, the gentleman does. And uh, Mark, if you're listening, I told you about this thing. I'll put the uh, in the show notes that um, how to use an AeroPress. And I can tell you absolutely unequivocally, you know what I'm going to say, beyond exclusion of every reasonable doubt, huh? That's one of those little things I say. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to another edition of Connecting Dots. Well, in this case, it's absolutely unequivocal beyond exclusion of every reasonable doubt. You'll know me for that. One day, if you meet me, you'll say, hey, go ahead and throw that out there. Anyways, the AeroPress is cool because what you do is you, um, I have a kettle here when we make our hot water up and throw the nice refined grounds in there and, uh, and just let it brew for a while. You just don't get a good cup of coffee with a Keurig. I get it. You need it. It's fast. You know, you go to the doctor's office, you go to your dentist, you go wherever, you know, they have to, everybody's got a Keurig. We even have a Keurig here for a decaf. Nobody here drinks decaf, but every once in a while somebody will come in. They got to have their decaf. I don't know. I don't get decaf. If you want decaf, just drink a cup of hot water. Anyways, um, it makes the best damn coffee there is. Well, what do you say we get started again? This is episode 58. Holy cow, 58. Episode 58 and uh, ready to fire it up? Let's do that. It's Saturday and it's time for a deep dive with Connecting Dots. Flight attendants, please prepare for takeoff. Connecting Dots is sponsored by Fixed Cost Financial, the home of fixed cost investing. Break the mold and embrace the difference. Uh, 
Okay, let's take off. We're going to uh, do our disclaimer in a little bit. We're not going to do it right away. And even though we really don't need to do it, we're going to do it anyways, just to uh, see why there's so many idiots out there that uh, it's always best to protect ourselves. This episode was called Lampster, season four, episode 11. And uh, Lampster referred to the jock Jeffcoat's disparaging nickname for Senior, the Senior Rhodes in the show. So one of the things that uh, Senior was doing is uh, his wife was out of town. I don't think we've ever met her. And uh, he's on the uh, floor playing uh, hokey pokey with his latest uh, girlfriend. And we're not sure if that's the one... I doubt it. I doubt that this is the one that he had the baby with anyways. Um, so Chuck Jr. has a, uh, I don't know, I think a little girl. So he's got a sister out there or brother, whatever. And he notices some debris and he immediately puts two and two together and you see a quick little scene. He knows that he's being bugged and uh, one thing leads to another. Now what happened is we know Brian, who is our crusading attorney general, assistant attorney general. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit about him and we'll get into some real details about uh, how there are 93 U.S. attorneys throughout the United States, Puerto Rico, U.S. Virgin Islands, and Guam, and uh, Northern, Northern Mariana Islands. I'll give you some details about the Judiciary Act of uh, 1789. We'll get into some real details on that. And then we'll talk about the Southern District of New York and give you some insight as to why this show is so popular with attorneys, prosecutors, especially federal prosecutors, the FBI, and um, other people who are in finance. Anyways, let's keep on going. This episode is, in our discussions on this, is really not designed for anybody in the industry. If you are, that's fine. Enjoy it. But it's really for the people that are watching it, and they really like a good drama, and uh, they're getting a kick out of things, but they really don't know how some of these things all kind of play in. So we'll just do a couple little bit of recaps here. Now, one of the things is that uh, you need to have a warrant for um, wiretaps, planting of bugs. So Brian went and got that. But as we know, these guys do things that are, um, especially with Chuck Jr., they uh, they cross the line for their own moral code. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. It gets a little unsettling. And anyone who is in law enforcement or anybody who's ever been in law enforcement knows that some of these crusaders are absolutely nuts. It's kind of like the politician who thinks the sun rises and sets on his or her behind and the world will not continue. You know, one of the greatest things that was ever invented by mankind is the benevolent dictator. But you got to have a benevolent dictator that knows it's his or her time to resign. And that's the problem. In the world, we've had occasionally some pretty good people who have ruled over others, but they don't know when to call it quits. And at the same time, unbridled power tends to unbridledly corrupt. It's a new way of saying it, huh? Anyways, the bottom line is a lot of these U.S. attorneys and anyone in the prosecutorial industry can pretty quickly get themselves full of uh, hot air. So we know that in this show, Brian is in there with his brother and uh, Axe's guy comes right behind him. The problem, there's a big problem in that episode. And anyways, Brian takes some pictures and the brother who has a, a history of safe cracking steals some cufflinks. Nobody puts cufflinks in a safe unless they're worth something. So that's going to come up sometime in the future and people are going to, that that will come back up. Again, Axe, his fixer, comes in and he notices the lopsided artwork. Now here's the problem with this scene, in my opinion. The problem with this scene is you didn't have the fixer do one simple thing that anyone who has ever been a decent law enforcement officer knows. 
criminals perspire. And I can tell you with absolute certainty with experience that uh, you can smell a burglar. Many years ago, I was in the city of Tampa and in the area of the old, let's see, what would it be? Around Newport, I guess that was where the old yellow cab was. I, uh, I, could, I, I heard somebody in a, a warehouse and I was patrolling and I was uh, working midnights. And so I was going for a walk. I got out of the car, put myself out and I could smell stink, okay? Human body odor. And I walked down an alley and it got a little bit stronger, a little bit stronger. And I noticed that the sheet metal on the side of a building was pried back. So I uh, called it in and just sat back and waited. Not very long, out pops a head and it was like whack-a-mole. And I pointed a gun in the guy's uh, eyeballs. It got to be the size of a silver dollar and said, hey, how you doing? I'm Paul. They hired me as a police officer here in the city of Tampa. And I'm here to tell you that you are under arrest. Now, if you decide to go back in, I might just take that as a threat and blow your brains out. Now, why don't you come out and show your hands? And I dragged this guy out, got him cuffed, and uh, I heard a voice inside, don't shoot me, don't shoot me, Mr. Policeman. And number two came out. What's the point of that? Eh, it's just another day on a job, but here's the thing. You can smell. And if the guy that Axe sent his fixer had just done that one thing, just sniffed his nose, I would have actually laughed and just, I just would have loved it. I'd be telling you how fantastic that scene was. But they did the obvious. He walks in and he does a kind of like a hound dog look at the picture. Hmm. So we know that uh, they did really good writing, but that that could have been, that damn scene should have been reshot. Every once in a while, I'll tell you stories about what I did uh, 40 plus years ago when I was a law enforcement officer, because I always say the same thing. That was my master's degree in the street. I can tell you that there are a lot of people out there who uh, are academically gifted, but they can't pull the trigger when you need to move monies around. There are a lot of people who are, uh, oh, Monday morning quarterbacks like the United States Supreme Court or any kind of Supreme Court or any kind of a judge or governor. Oh, no, I think he's repented. We're going to give him, we're going to commute his sentence to life in prison, despite the fact that he gutted these women, killed them, and uh, a 13-year-old little girl had to see it. That's actually one of my cases. I got a guy out there that uh, was given a death penalty, and then he got back, and, oh, God, just prosecutorial screw-up from the max. They should have continued going after the guy, but now he's, I actually found out he's out of jail. I just, I can't believe it. Anyways, he's still getting in trouble. Bad things eventually happen to bad people, but a lot of good people have to pay the price in between. And so when I say these things to you, it's because, you know, when you've, when you've really done the job out there, you had to do, you know, really cruddy things. It makes you a better person. You appreciate life a little bit better. And that's the one thing these guys, Chuck Rhodes and his father, they have no appreciation for what real people are going through. And that's the thing that we all hate Chuck about. On the other end, you've got Axe, who has an insane appreciation for what the little guy goes through from the wrong side of the tracks. But he takes it to an extreme, and he is out there to get everything he can in any way he can, and it's all about power and proving himself. So it's just a really great, again, goofy situation. Then you have, again, Connery, the uh, attorney general now for the Southern District. His brother is streetwise, but this guy, he's a, he's a choir boy. He's a choir boy, and he's over his head. Black gal in the, uh, in the thing. I uh, can't remember her name. I'll think about it here in just a little bit. Again, a whole different dynamic. So the dynamics of these people, uh, Kate Sacker uh, is the uh, attorney, assistant attorney general. The, each of the personalities is amazing. And that's the one thing I find about this show that is so cool is that you've got these really strong, different dynamic personalities in the area of high finance. Okay, so senior gets arrested by the FBI and uh, Jock attempts to interrogate him and uh, does a pretty lousy job. 
That is a great scene, by the way, a scene where you don't ask a question unless you know exactly what the answer is. So it's just kind of kind of funny. Um, then we have Wendy. Eh, well, she gets uh, she gets it out her husband. You know, the, the, the oxygen is simply sucked out of the op- episode with uh, her and her husband and uh, asking, you know, exactly when they first met and all those kind of things, when she knew they were the right people. Again, if you haven't seen, you gotta you gotta see it. Now, a couple of different times we hear Wendy described as or describing herself not just as a medical doctor or a psychiatrist, but also as a performance coach. And that's something that if we've been paying attention, as we have here at our firm, and I say we, if you've been paying attention to what's going on with Tony Robbins in this whole concept of performance coaching and all of that, we are going to, again, continue to harp on the fact that, yeah, that's an important thing, but hiring people who make a commission off you to be your performance coach, that's, that's bad. You know, Advisors, agents, bankers, brokers, and financial planners who are charging that assets under management scheme and are being paid extremely well, higher than most medical doctors who are psychiatrists are being paid to give you advice and counsel based upon psychology for which they have no training or qualification. That's a that's like taking a firecracker, lighting it, and holding your damn hand. That is just not a smart thing to do. So we'll be talking more and more about that as we go along. But the show continues with all of the romance, but that romance is nothing. What the show is all about in many regards, is how people let their emotions get to them. Yeah, there you go. If you've listened to anything that I have talked about here on Connecting Dots, or as a client, or if you were ever a prospective client, you stumbled across the podcast again, you know I talk all the time about emotions. We talk a little bit about Thaler and his work and how it was one of those, well, welcome to the party, you know? Uh, Yeah, guess what? People do make decisions based upon emotions. This whole concept of rational investors is a bunch of crapola. And that's really what this scene really, and this whole episode really lays out, that it is truly about emotions. In the final moments of the show, Victor, uh, Louis Camellia, I think it is, presents Axe with a whole option to take care of Sailor's problem. And again, remember, Rebecca is now Axe's new girlfriend, and he feels betrayed because Rebecca has gone ahead and cut a deal with Taylor. And one of the key things is he says to Rebecca that she cut a deal with his arch enemy, okay, Taylor. So that is huge, okay? (laughs) That is everything. He obviously likes Rebecca. And the dynamic on the show between the two actors and two characters is fantastic. And I've said this a couple different times, and I've mentioned this in other episodes, that I'm kind of glad that Axe's wife is out of it, the divorce. I never did like that character, the whole nine yards. It's kind of like the... Female, the wife on Breaking Bad. I never liked her. I, I don't know what the story is. Maybe it's a, a facial characteristic, hair color or something. I just can't, couldn't, don't really care for it. But boy, I thought Rebecca and Axe could actually have something. But again, you've, you've got to destroy these things. The nature of the show, it kind of becomes obvious, right? You know, Axe will always have this um, unaccepted, accepted, weird relationship with Wendy. She'll have the same with him. They'll never quite fully get together. But then again, who knows what will happen at the very at last episode. But the Rebecca thing, we thought, eh, that might have a, might have a go. So again, Victor comes in, got a new option for uh, Sailor's Problems. And uh, Wags is there and gives words of warning that uh, it's going to cause a, uh, a, a catastrophic event for uh, for someone that Axe cares about, which is Rebecca. And you see, he doesn't care. It's, it, you know, she'll have to accept it. It is what it is, and um, it's a done deal. 
Now we go through this and we find the final last scene, which is kind of cool. And um, Axe is going to uh, intentionally sabotage the uh, relationship. And uh, what we wind up having is Wags and Wendy at a bar. And uh, they, they talk to each other and says, yeah, it's been a, a pretty shitty day. So what they're going to do, he says, well, this isn't a fire drill. It's a fire fire festival now what the devil does that mean now because i'm going to get into something let's do a quick 30 second break connecting dots is for educational use only investment performance is not guaranteed past performance is not indicative of future results this material does not take into account your particular investment objectives financial situation or needs nothing should be construed as an individual recommendation Due to our extensive holdings and that of our clients, you should assume that we have a position in all companies discussed and thus a conflict of interest should be assumed. So one of the uh, things, if you get a chance, you can go to, I believe, Amazon and uh, Netflix. I know for sure it was on Netflix. And like a lot of things, people make movies about the same topic at about the same time. And um, there was a period a few years ago where everybody was making movies on World War II and they're making space movies and then your Star Wars. and It's just somebody hears something and then you know, everybody's got to jump on the bandwagon. That's what happened with this thing called the uh, Fry Festival. Now, the Fry Festival was billed as this luxury music festival, and it was founded by a guy by the name of Billy McFarlane. He's a former, so just remember that, former CEO of Fry Media, okay? And he had this rapper called Jay Rule, and uh, it was intended to promote the company's Fry app, and uh, they were getting talent from all over the green earth. And the big thing what they were doing is they were using what they call social media influencers. Now, here's something that for some of us, you know, again, some of you know this, they have this whole thing on social media called influencers. And recently I met a girl who introduced herself at a network after work event. And I offered to get with her and wanted to talk about uh, her and what she does. Never got back with me, which is uh, unfortunately really common when it comes to follow up on a face-to-face basis. Just a lot of people really screw the pooch when it comes to that. And they don't follow up very well. Anyways, it is what it is. So the whole thing with this Fry Festival is they were getting a whole bunch of different people who have a lot of followers on social media. And they were getting people like socialites, oh, you know, like like Kendall Jenner and different models whose some of these names I can't pronounce. Bella Hattie, Emily Ratajkowski, okay? And a lot of these people never disclose that they're being paid. Okay, let's do a quick sidebar. For those of you who are on social media a lot and you see people who have these big followings, a lot of those followers are fake. It's a lot like these reverse mortgages. If you think Tom Selleck is going to do a reverse mortgage himself, you're probably smoking a good doobie and getting pretty high, okay? No doubt about it. So you have these people who have these followers and they get fake followers and they get real followers and they kind of work it. We know, for example, that uh, the Democratic Party, including Donald Trump on the Republican side, but mainly 
Obama and Hillary Clinton, they didn't have the millions and millions of followers everybody thinks they did. It just didn't happen. It's just people people are interested in politics. They talk about it, but they just, you don't have this Kool-Aid drinking fan base. It just never has been that way. But then you will get that with the Jersey Shore people because there's just a lot of people out there who think like ding-dongs. And so the more ding-dong behavior they'll see, the more of a fan they are. But they got all these people to be... Uh, Oh, influencers and started getting people who were like, oh, I want to be, I want to pay to go to this, this exotic place. And they, they literally lied nonstop. They had problems with security, with food, accommodations, medical services, all these different artists and the, oh, it just blew up. I mean, it was just, it was horrible. And it is literally a movie to watch to see how this thing was a disaster. I think the Netflix one was the better of the two, but I think maybe it was the Amazon one that was a little more forgiving. Well, the bottom line is people paid a lot of money and instead of getting these luxury villas with gourmet meals and ooh, all the beautiful people and hot shot everything, yeah, these people are paying thousands and thousands of dollars. Now remember, they're flying, they're going, and they're they're partying on this island, right? But all of them are, oh, so green, oh, so include everybody, but this is very exclu- exclusive. I mean, come on. And the people that got screwed were the native residents there, tended to be black. All these, most of these kids coming were white. You see the thing, the real problem here. Yeah, instead of getting the gourmet meals and everything, these people got prepackaged sandwiches. They were living in FEMA tents. It started raining. It was miserable. It was a cluster duck. So in March 2018, McFarland pled guilty to one, one, one count of wire fraud to defraud investors and ticket holders, and a second count to defraud uh, the ticket vendor. And uh, in 2018, he was sentenced to six years in prison, ordered to forfeit 26 million dollars and uh, there were quite a few lawsuits are still working their way through at least eight lawsuits seeking a total of about a hundred million dollars in damages they accuse everybody of defrauding everybody and again the two documentaries on this are um hulu's fry fraud so i think i said i don't know where i don't know um did i say amazon so hulu did it and uh, netflix fry and it's spelled f-y-r-e netflix is called netflix's fry the greatest party that never happened so when you heard wags <laughs> which i think is kind of cool um, he has the last word of the uh, of the last episode. Okay, now the last episode will be tomorrow, but uh, this was uh, episode ten, I guess it was. This isn't a fire drill; it's a fire festival. So that's what that means. I thought that was pretty darn cool. One minute intermission. <laughs> You're listening to Connecting Dots. Connecting Dots is a production of Fixed Cost Financial, the home of Fixed Cost Investing. The way we do it, it's better, it's simple, and it works. And now, let's return to this episode of Connecting Dots. So earlier I said there were 93 U.S. attorney's offices. Now you have the attorney general, 
Okay, that guy is Barr. And uh, earlier it was the uh, senator that uh, Trump didn't like. What was his name? Doesn't make any difference. And so we have 93 offices scattered throughout the United States, Puerto Rico, U.S. Virgin Islands, Guam, Northern Mariana Islands. And you have one U.S. attorney assigned to each of the judicial uh, circuits, okay? And then each U.S. attorney is the chief federal prosecutor. And uh, they, again, supervise the district offices and usually have about, well, they can have as many as 350 what's called assistant U.S. attorneys, AUSAs. So in the show, Billions, you've heard them say AUSA periodically. And that's what they're talking about. And that's what Brian was when Chuck was the U.S. attorney for the Southern District in New York. We'll talk about that in a little bit because that's a really unique place. In fact, our phone number, 212-433-2525, is a Manhattan number. So we, maybe I should be a little bit careful what I say here. Nah, I'm never careful. So AUSAs have the authority to investigate persons, to issue subpoenas, to file formal charges, to uh, enter into plea agreements with defendants and grant immunity to witnesses and accused criminals. So always remember, never forget, the laws of discovery on the state level, for example, in Florida, don't exactly have, you don't really have a real level playing field when you're the defendant, but it's pretty close, okay? You have what's called discovery. When you have federal prosecutors, yeah, you don't have that. Federal prosecution is really, truly from the days of long gone times. They're in charge and, you know, somebody who doesn't have the financial means, you're screwed. If you have the financial means, you're going to beat a lot of the charges. And it's just a matter of how much money you're willing to throw at it, unless they go out and seize your assets and prevent you from defending yourself. So we could talk for hours and hours, which is exactly what different episodes of Billions has showed you, how they seize assets and different people have been prosecuted and screwed over and, you know, to get a plea because you have somebody on an ego trip. Always remember, never forget, some of these people, man, they really lose their mind when it comes to power. And if you're one of those people and you're starting to get upset, don't. I mean, you have to be an immature little brat not to realize the difficulty and the issues. And if you've been around for a while, you've seen people do it. I remember being in, uh, I'm not going to say in the details, but I've had a, I've had occasions to deal with that. I mean, I remember up in Wisconsin, Milwaukee, it was like, yeah, an armed robber, we got, this is the days when the FBI actually did a real, real criminal investigations. And we'd get the guy. I, I, I didn't have any kind of a leading role, just a very minor role in the apprehension of a, of a robbery. I mean, armed robber, the real deal. And the FBI comes in, grabs a guy and does what's called the perp walk, P-E-R-P, -E perp walk for the press. It's like, you know, we didn't do anything. Oh, yeah, we, we investigated. Oh, you didn't do dick. Anyways, that's just the way that is. So... The bottom line is the Office of U.S. Attorney was created from um, the Judiciary Act. It goes back to 1789. In fact, uh, along with it was the um, U.S. Marshal Service. And then from there, we had the Supreme Court um, and all of the inferior courts. The federal judiciary created as a result of that. Now, the U.S. Attorney is appointed by the President of the United States for a term of four years. And the appointments have to be confirmed by the U.S. Senate. And a U.S. Attorney continues in their office beyond appointment until successor is appointed and qualified.
And you have to always remember, never forget, when you work as one of the U.S. attorneys, you serve at the pleasure of the president. And uh, just about every president does the very same thing. Obama did it. Uh, Trump did it. Everybody does it. Everybody's fired. Get the hell out of here. And uh, you point your own people. Just all there is to it. Unfortunately, every time you have a Republican president, the Democrats squawk about it. And every time the Democrats are in as president, the Republicans squawk about it. <laughs> it's the way it is. Anyways, the Attorney General has the authority since 1986 to appoint an interim U.S. attorney to fill a vacancy. And uh, unfortunately, the reality is uh, that can be a, a real dangerous thing, as especially somebody like Trump has figured out. Now, several times in Billions, they've talked about the words, the most powerful club, the most powerful club. Those words have appeared a couple times in different episodes because New York City's uh, Southern District Court okay, covers Manhattan and there's a, an office in White Plains and I'll, I'll get through in just a minute. Uh, well, let me, let me do it now. Now, basically, it's Manhattan, the Bronx, Westchester, Putnam, Duchess, um, Rockland, Orange, and uh, Sullivan counties, um, the areas up there. That's that's pretty much, and Kenneth, if you're not familiar with that whole thing, that's the Southern District. And this is literally the most powerful, and they view themselves as independent of everybody in administrations. I mean, the tenacity, they, they have oftentimes referred to this as the sovereign district of New York, and they've got a FBI field office and lots and lots of people there. So here's the thing. Um, I think maybe, is it the one in Manhattan? I think they have 220 U.S. attorneys. Well, somebody that we know, unless you're brain dead, Rudy Giuliani served as attorney, attorney there, U.S. attorney from June 3rd, I think it was 1993, to the 1st of um, January 1989. And then we have a fellow who was born in India uh, on October 13th, 1968, okay? And uh, he, his name is Peter, and I've always slaughtered last name, uh, P-E, I'm sorry, I'll do this again, P-R-E-E-T-I-N-D-E-R, Prinder Singh, and I, again, I always slaughtered last name, it's B-H-A-R-A-R-A, so Barra, we'll call it that. So he was in there from 2009 to 2017, long time, he earned a reputation as a crusader. So a lot of times, I think the um, role of a Brian is based upon this guy. And he earned a reputation because uh, during his tenure, he's one of the nation's most aggressive and outspoken prosecutors of public corruption. And he went after a lot of people on Wall Street. In fact, he prosecuted nearly 100 people on Wall Street for insider trading. And he also went after some banks and got some historically large settlements, you know, billions of dollars. One of the things that uh, he did is he went after both Republicans and Democrats. And very precisely and notably, he secured convictions against the Speaker of the New York Assembly, Sheldon Silver, and the Majority Leader of the Senate. So they also investigated Governor Andrew Cuomo. So if you want to know where the show Billions is getting their writing material, the flow, this is it, okay? You can see how everything kind of, now listen, it's, I'm gonna tell you something, it's great writing, great storytelling, great acting, love it. This season is not as good as prior seasons, in my opinion. There's a couple of scenes that I thought were just utterly stupid, but when you go back and think about it, it makes sense. And so when Chuck is out and all the silly things that he was doing, <laughs> I had suddenly realized, you know, trying to sell a, uh, what was it, a parking ticket, a, a, a parking exemption, you could park anywhere he had this thing, 
thing, one of the early episodes. That's like Rudy Giuliani. Now you're out of office. You got to do all these things to make money to get things squared around. And just when you know these people, and it's like, oh my God, that's that's how that's how it goes on. On uh, March 11, 2017, um, Barrow was fired. He refused to follow Attorney General Jeff Sessions' request for all remaining 46 U.S. attorneys who were appointed during Barack Obama's presidency to resign. He had 46 of them who refused to resign, so he uh, he got fired. And uh, he uh, joined the uh, University School of Law, uh, New York University School of Law. Now, a lot of people think that Axe is based upon Stephen Cohen. And um, Stephen Cohen um, is, and we'll talk about him in just a little bit, probably the guy that uh, was SAC. You need to do some research on that. And you know what? Because this is getting a little long in a tooth, I think I'll cut it there. This just gives you a couple different things. Also, just real quickly, Barra, this guy really was full of himself. I talked about earlier how these guys think they walk on water and are God. Well, here's the thing. He got a phone call from the president of the United States. Okay, He refused to take the call. He told Trump to go F himself. And 22 hours later, after refusing to take the call, he was fired. That is reminiscent for me of, well, when Harry Truman, President Truman, um, was left waiting by General Douglas MacArthur. MacArthur thought his didn't stink, and he was BMOC, and the country just lost their, their noodle over the firing of General Douglas MacArthur. And my father taught me a very valuable lesson, and I'll, I think I'll cut it off with this. My dad told me, he said, you know, son, you're going to work for some real horses' asses in your life. There are some people out there that are just paying the ass. In fact, one day you may wind up going to Washington doing different things and all that. That's just the way it is. But always remember, never forget, you don't treat the president the way that guy treated the president. You just don't do it. When the president calls, it's your time to come up and you do it. So he liked MacArthur. My dad always thought we should have continued the war and finished up taking care of the Russians. He he always said, we're always going to have a problem with the Russians and the Chinese. We should have just kicked their ass and got it over with. Why we didn't do it, I have no idea. We just, just It's just dumb. And when Truman wanted to... Um, when rather when MacArthur wanted to drop an atomic bomb in North Korea and, and end that thing, my dad said, I'd rather I'd rather a whole bunch of them die rather than us. And my dad was on the, you know, my dad was part of the crew that was going to be on the landing crafts for Japan. And if they hadn't dropped a bomb, probably I probably wouldn't be here. But the bottom line is, you know, you don't you don't do that to the president of the United States, no matter who it is. You got to show some respect for the office. And when Brera did that to Trump, he didn't show respect for the office, and he had to go. And that is one of those scenes in the episode that we're talking about where Axe talks about, I am the light that warms you and the breath that you breathe, etc. That is the same thing. When you go for an intervention from the, the boss, <laughs> it's like touching the sun. Be careful of what you ask for. You're going to get it. So bottom line is, as I said, you can tie all this together psychologically. This was just an easy peasy little discussion on this. It's deep. It's billions. And it's definitely worth watching. No ifs and or what's about it.